are listening to the Patriot Pastors Podcast, where we talk about today's issues from a pastor's perspective, as well as calling America back to the faith of our fathers. Pastors Wade Lentz and Harold Smith are your hosts, and now let's get started. All right, welcome to the Patriot Pastors Podcast. Uh, Harold, how are you doing, man? Wade, I'm doing great. It's uh, good to be with you. It seems like it's been a while. It has. It really has. And uh, I know you are a big gardener and you are a YouTuber. You have that YouTube channel, The Preacher's Day Off. And I've been following you here lately. You're getting your garden ready. It's starting to warm up in spring. Uh, you're getting close, right? I've got I've got seedlings to plant this weekend. Our, our last frost date in uh, this part of Arkansas is usually mid-April, around the 15th, but I'm going to take a look at the seven-day, and if there's nothing, n- no near-freezing temps, I'm going to go ahead and plant some stuff this weekend. Good deal. You know, what we're going to be talking about today is really a, uh, a lot of stuff. There's so much going on, you know, not only citizens of our country, but uh, as pastors, so many things that are we're dealing with. Harold, did you know that our governor, Asa Hutchinson, has made national headlines? Yes. Have you and seen in that? A shame, in a shameful way, too. I mean, in a, in a shameful way, very, very much so. He was just on uh, Tucker Carlson's show. Um, I believe it was Tuesday night. And uh, if you missed that, it was something akin to me entering the ring with Mike Tyson and getting my lights knocked out. So it was, it was bad, very bad. But what the whole issue was has to do with a bill that was called the uh, House Bill 1570 or the SAFE Act bill. And what this was is, is a law in the state of Arkansas that makes it a felony to provide gender-affirming health care to transgender youth under the age of 18. And what it does, it is uh, it bans doctors from providing any form of gender-affirming health care to transgender people, again, under the age of 18, including puberty blockers, hormones, and gender-affirming surgery. The governor, I mean, this is a no-brainer bill, right? Right. This is a, a great bill that really holds back the federal government from enforcing such things and promoting such things. And you would think that our governor, being quote-unquote a born-again Christian, would say, absolutely, that's great. But he doesn't do that. He vetoes it. Thankfully, we have a supermajority in our House and Senate in Arkansas. They overrode his veto. His defense was, well, we don't need the government to overreach on these things. These are decisions that parents should make. This is government overreach to the fullest. That was his reasoning on why he vetoed it, um, which is crazy because really the SAFE Act, this HB 1570, bans people from selling the drugs and procedures that would disfigure children. If ever there was a proper role for government, this is it. And like Tucker Carlson said, we already have several measures that protect children 
For instance, you can't buy alcohol unless you're 21. Uh, you, you can't even buy cigarettes unless you're 21. You cannot even get a tattoo unless you're 18 years old. But now, Governor, you think it's okay for children to have uh, these procedures done to them? Well, I can speak to this on a personal level because I personally know someone who was taking gender-altering medication in high school. This particular person was born a female, felt like they wanted to be a male, and their parents were okay with it, and they began taking doctor prescribed medication to alter their their hormones. And then I believe it was in her senior year, I could be wrong about this, she decided, you know what, this is not right. I shouldn't have done this. I'm, I'm happy being a girl. And so she stopped it and she stopped the process, but she had taken them to the point that she has had a number of complications with her female body now as an adult this all goes back to the reason why we don't let those under 18 smoke or drink. They're not able to make decisions on the same rational level. I mean, we don't allow adults to have sex with teenagers for a reason because teenagers minds are not able to make these kind of decisions yet. So to allow someone to permanently mutilate their body and cause them a lifetime of pain and transition just makes this is a slam dunk no-brainer this is why we don't let 10 year olds drive I mean there's a whole number Mm -hmm. of reasons here and it's not about about being a born-again Christian Wade this is about any responsible parent knowing that their children don't Mm -hmm. really know I mean I remember when I was that age you you ask kids what do you want to be when you grow up I want to be an astronaut well What if you let them start taking chemicals to, to, to alter and go to those early childhood aspirations? Yeah, right. Irreversible chemicals. Yes, yes. Unbelievable. If, if you haven't seen that full segment where he is on Fox News with Tucker Carlson, I encourage you to do that. It's worth seeing because Tucker asks him, point blank, uh, Mr. Governor, did you talk with any corporations? Did they have anything to do with your decision to veto this bill? And Asa said, no, I I did not. However, right after Asa vetoed this bill, Walmart came out publicly and said that they absolutely support Asa's decision. And uh, if you're not familiar with Arkansas, Walmart is really what is the, our largest corporation, uh, really not a, only in Arkansas, but United States, but they are, are based out of uh, Northwest Arkansas and they have a lot of pull. And ASA has been tied with them on several different things uh, as of the last few years of his uh, tenure as governor. And it, there's just no doubt in my mind no doubt in my mind that he is wanting to be board of directors after he gets through his uh, his tenure as governor, and uh, he did not want to cross them on this decision. Just go back less than a year ago when Asa came out and said, Arkansas is not going to mandate that you wear a mask. Mm-hmm. And then Walmart came out and said, starting on Monday, we're going to mandate that everybody in Walmart wear a mask. Asa shows up. 
and says, okay, effective Monday, all of Arkansas has to wear a mask. Now, where did he get those talking points? Because the talking points he had on Tuesday of the week prior was no mask. Walmart makes an announcement. All of a sudden, our governor does a complete reversal of roles. You can't tell me that's not connected because people who don't want to wear a mask, if they were allowed to go to grocery stores and not wear it, they would. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was the immediate talking point was, well, we just won't be going to Walmart. And then all of a sudden, oh, no, no, it's statewide. So now everybody has a level playing field so that Walmart's own corporate decisions cover the entire state. And so that kind of, those kind of strings attached to the governor's office is becoming more and more evident with Asa Hutchinson. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. You know, the bottom line is, is that he sold us out. There's, there's no justification whatsoever. If you have any morals uh, on why he would veto this other than he was influenced by big corporation to which he is tied to. And uh, so very, very, difficult thing. However, we are thankful that we have some very conservative uh, legislatures in the Senate and the House who overrode his uh, this veto. Thankful for that, for sure. And uh, but uh, his true colors have come come out. And uh, you and I have seen this for some time. But uh, now everybody knows who Asa uh, really is. Another thing I want us to talk about is uh, something that you're going to love. Well, not really, but uh, President Biden is getting ready to today hand out several gun control executive orders. The first one being that he is going to appoint a man whose name is David Chapman as the head of the ATF, who is a, he is a person with a, uh, who has very strong ties to gun control groups, I think it's very obvious that we can expect very much of uh, hostile regulations that are going to follow with him as the leader. He will also direct the ATF to make regulations that will treat 80% lowers and frames into firearms, requiring serial numbers and background checks. Uh, They are ghost guns, and is what they're calling them. And I don't really understand his executive action on these ghost guns. Can you sure help me on that? Sure. What a ghost gun is, or what they call a ghost gun, it's really the, the lower section of an AR-15. An AR-15 is a military rifle, and it was designed that where you could take parts off one and put on another, everything would be interchangeable. The lower of an AR-15 would, what would be what would hold your trigger group. And it's what your handle would attach to. Your stock would attach to the rear end of it. And then the the upper would house the bolt and the barrel. That would all go into the upper. Well, since you have all these moving parts, what the federal government did was they said, we need to put a serial number on one part. So you can go out and buy all the barrels you want, no background check. You can buy all the stocks you want, no background check. But when you buy a lower... So you're going to build your own firearm. You're going to buy all the parts and put it together. When you buy a lower, it comes with a serial number. So a 80% lower is 80% milled out. In other words, all of the mm. holes and cuts 
a lot of them are left. And so you have to have a jig where you actually get a drill and a Dremel, not a Dremel, but a, uh, a router, and mm -hmm. you finish out this. Now, if you finish out this 80% lower, it becomes fully functioning. But since you finished it out, you built the gun, you don't have to have a serial number for it. It's, this is why they want to stop it. This is a firearm they can't track. If there's yeah. no serial number and this gun's found to be in a crime, they can't figure out who manufactured it, who was the first person to, person to purchase it. There's no mm -hmm. way to trace it. Wow. But, yeah, I, I have not heard of a, a ghost gun. I thought that might have been something from Ghostbusters or something. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> but you're, those, those you're, you are a gun. A time ago. You are a gun enthusiast. The the Ghostbuster guns were outlawed during the Clinton years when he was president. <laughs> that's that's Remember true. Remember the Brady Bill came out. That's <laughs> oh, funny. Another uh, one I want to uh, mention is that he will direct the ATF to pass rules making stabilizing pistol braces into NFA items. After which it won't be a pistol, but it will be a SBR requiring a two hundred dollar tax stamp fingerprints, more background checks, and a year-long uh, wait. I'm not sure let what me, that is. Let me explain that. Okay. A, an SBR is a short-barreled rifle. Ah. Which it, 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 so what people were doing was saying, my AR-15 has a short barrel, but it doesn't have a stock. It's just a pistol. So they come out with an arm brace that would go over your wrist because you can't control an AR-15 with just one hand with no stock. Mm -hmm. So they came out with an arm brace that would go over your forearm and you could work the AR-15 in one hand. Well, then people started putting the little forearm brace up on their shoulder, and so now they had a real compact rifle that they could carry under a coat with a 30-round magazine and, um, and shoot from the shoulder. And so this has kind of been a gray area for a long time, mm -hmm. and what he's going to do is just say, all right, if it's got a short barrel, we don't care what's on the end of it. It's a, you're going to have to get a permit and a tax stamp is a $200 stamp. You have to get fingerprinted, goes through an extra background check. It usually takes a year and then you get your, then you can own it. Uh, then the last thing I'll mention is that he will direct the justice department to create a model of for red flag laws for states to pass. And uh, I think that's the most dangerous thing, honestly, the red yes. flag laws which I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, that they can come in and seize your weapons, seize your guns without, I don't think you can do anything, right? right. The red flag law is the exact opposite of constitutional law. The Constitution says you're innocent until proven guilty. The red flag law says you're guilty until you prove yourself innocent. That's so right. the, the, the real danger here is, is say you have an ex-wife who says, hey, look, I think my husband's going to try to shoot me. And so she goes down and files a complaint. Well, then they run down and just grab all these guys' guns, completely disarm him. And then he has to be disarmed until he can go to court and clear his name, if he can clear his name. Or a doctor could say, I don't think this guy's mentally stable. Mm. And if you have a gun-grabbing liberal doctor that doesn't want America armed, he can do that. Some of the concerns with red flag laws are with the VA. Mm -hmm. Veterans Administration, a high concentration of veterans own guns. And it could come out if you take a certain medication, you shouldn't be able to own a gun. Th these red flag laws open up a Pandora's box for a number of reasons for the government just to show up 
and disarm you for any given reason. And then the burden of proof is not to prove, uh, not, not to defend yourself, but to actually regain what you already had. So it's a very, very dangerous. Uh, wow. Wow. That's crazy. Well, what do you, what do you think? I mean, uh, I know you've said this to me before, but you think, okay, he's going to pass these as executive orders and maybe more in the years to come in his administration, but you don't think the courts will uphold it. Some of them will not be upheld. Some of them probably will. But the thing about an executive order, if if he loses the next election and the other guy gets in, all those executive orders are instantly reversed. Just as quickly as he redid a bunch of Trumps, the yes. next guy could redo his. Yeah. And to combat this, Wade, what we're seeing is a lot of states, more conservative states, passing laws on their books that they're not going to enforce any new federal firearms laws. Mm-hmm. So the real threat in, in, let's say, in Arkansas is if you and I get pulled over by a police officer and we have, let's say, a short-barreled rifle in our truck. Well, if he signs a piece of paper that says that we have a, a pistol, AR pistol, if he signs one that says that's really a short-barreled rifle, the ATF is not out pulling people over at random on the interstate checking for guns. Right. The real issue for this is if a county sheriff or a local police department finds you with this, it's against federal law, then they can turn you over and you can be federally prosecuted. If states come out and say, we're not going to enforce this, and it's mm-hmm. state law that we don't do it, then what you end up with is it would have to be a federal agent that came into your state, found you out, found mm-hmm. your stuff, and then could prosecute you. And wow. that's really not going to happen unless you were some kind of arms dealer or militant, you know, something or another. So uh, I, think yeah. that, I think the best way to combat this is to have a good conservative state legislature that will pass some laws that protect the people of their state. Yes. And then put the put the requirements on the federal government to enforce it. Right. Right. Uh, well, I think it's safe to say that it's going to be a long four years. I mean, here we are 70 to 80 days within his administration. And I, I believe he has like 60 to 70 executive orders already with if there is more shootings like there has been. That just puts another nail on the coffin of the Second Amendment that they'll use against us. It's just odd to me that all of a sudden now we have this ramp up of shootings and mass killings. They always seem to accompany a Democrat president, don't they? Yes, I know. It does. And it's, it's crazy, for sure. It makes you think. Another thing I want us to talk about today, and this just happened. I don't have all the details, but... You and I, we've talked about James Coates before. He was a pastor at Grace Life in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, who was actually in prison, in jail, because he was preaching. He was pastoring his church against the orders of the health department there in Alberta. He was in jail probably uh, for a month. He was finally released about two weeks ago and, you know, awaiting a court date, I think, in May. But then all of a sudden, the Alberta Health Department, in joint with the police department there, yesterday barricaded the entire building with like an eight or nine foot fence, like a riot fence, that no person can enter the building. And they're doing this because of health. 
And uh, so all of a sudden, this pastor who has been run through the mill because he wanted to hold services, not just to 15% of his congregation, but to everyone. And um, he was jailed. He was released from jail. But now they have barricaded the entire building. That's unbelievable. It is. And you know what else? It emphasizes the importance of local elections. Mm-hmm. Because this is not being done by the, the federal, you know, Canadian government. This is local right. government. Yes. You know, this is stuff where a, a local mayor, a local city council, um, a providential government, and I know Canada is a little different than us, but the way the, the Canadian government structured this, they basically made the head of the health department the top cop in everything COVID. And so, uh, and a lot of this goes on because local governments don't push back. Mm-hmm. You get one person with an ego trip, one person that's a God hater. And uh, if there's not anybody else in government that's willing to stand up, then you're going to get pushed around just like they are, just like he has been specifically. But yeah. I think it's severe overreaction and it's going to keep happening until enough people just stand up and say, Hey, look, we're not going to keep allowing this to go on. This has gone yeah. on long enough. This needs to end. You're out of control. And you can only poke the bear so many times till you wake up the bear. Sure. And sure. Uh, right now they're just poking Christians in Canada. But when they start poking other groups, you'll you'll see um, you'll see these groups kind of come together and rise up and say, right. I'm tired right. of being, you know, manipulated in this way. What would you do if they barricaded Lee Creek Baptist Church? You couldn't enter the building. Would you? Uh, Take a no. bulldozer and bulldoze it down, or what would no, you wait, do? No, wait, if I told you that, they'd be waiting for me there where we meet at <laughs> out in the woods. <laughs> no, I'll tell you uh, what we did. And I'll tell you because we did it. Uh, last March, the governor uh, ordered all the churches to close, businesses to close, six weeks to flatten the curve. Mm-hmm. We closed for a couple of weeks, and uh, we were going to stay open. We were just going to defy the governor. I'm like, you know what? I don't care what he says. Come arrest me. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to go to jail. The problem I ran into was there were people from out of state, out of town, thinking, well, I know Harold Smith won't close church, so I'll load my family up, and we'll drive from Tulsa down to Lee Creek, and we'll go to church with him. And so I started getting these phone calls from out-of-town people wanting to know what time church started. And I did some math and quickly realized we're going to have more people here than we would on a regular Sunday. This is not wow. good. Yeah. So, so we did close. And then what I did was I called all the individual members and I said, uh, there's a barn. You all know where it's at. And uh, let's meet at that barn and we'll have Sunday service. And so mm-hmm. for the remainder um, of that, that six weeks of downtime, we just didn't announce to the outside world we were meeting. Mm-hmm. We just told the members one-on-one and we just showed up and met. We had our church services. We did have people visit with us. You know, we did have people find out and, oh, your church is meeting, I'm coming, you know, but it wasn't a, hey, y'all come out to the woods with us and go to church in private, you know. Mm-hmm. And in all honesty, I, I, I don't want to over, I don't want to belabor this point, but a church worship service is for the Christians. Right. It is God's people gathering to worship God. And so as far as this church in Alberta, 
they ought to be able to conduct church in their home. They ought to be able to conduct church in a barn like we did somewhere. They ought to be able to gather because the church is not a building. Mm-hmm. It's a body. Yes. And yes. Um, so this, this shouldn't end the church, but it should be dealt with in a political matter. And I think when we have this idea that the, the church service is for lost people to come to, they miss the point. The church is for God's people to be at. Right. And God's right. people can meet in a barn. I mean, John Bunyan was arrested for preaching in a barn. Mm-hmm. So we call it Bunyan services. You know, right. if they get bad, we'll go back to John Bunyan services. <laughs> yeah. Well, I agree with you. You know, if if for some reason they barricaded Barrel Baptist Church one Sunday and and uh, forbade, forbade us to uh, worship in the building, I don't think I would just go out and get a bulldozer and say, no, you know. I think on the short term, we'd say, okay, sure. We'll go out to my uh, my property. We've got several acres, and we'll set up some chairs, and we'll have church service. And um, you just barricaded the building, not not the church. And, uh, you know, that's that's a short-term look at it. And obviously, you, you need to, uh, you know, like you said, it's a political issue. You need to take care of that because if they'll lock your building, they can – come out to where you live and and expect you to listen to them and and be controlled by the government. So these are, are, are issues that we do not need to turn our head from. The issue with the government, uh, our governor, Asa Hutchinson, who really did just that on this gender identity issue, he turned his head uh, toward it. Um, the gun right issue, the executive orders that Biden is doing, how many people are just going to say, oh, well, you know, and turn their head to that. And then Grace Life here in Edmonton, um, these are issues that need to be dealt with head on. Or we're going to find ourselves in a, in a very, very difficult situation. Right. And, and that's the thing. You go back and you look at these three issues. These are not about public health. ASA's not making a decision on public health. Guns, short-barreled rifles, that's 80% lowers. That's not an issue of public health. Right. Uh, barricading the church is really not an issue of public health. All of these are issues of public control. Mm-hmm. They're yes. wanting to control people. They're wanting to have their say. They're wanting to dictate everything. And, you know, ASA was on the wrong side. <laughs> I mean, if there was anything that was for public health, it would be keeping immature kids from making immature, lifelong, lasting decisions. Right, right. It's, there's a reason why we don't draft people until they turn 18. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't right. let them alter their gender prior to that age either. Well, man, it's been good. I know we've talked about several things, but uh, we could talk probably for another hour, could we not? Yeah, I just wish we had better <laughs> topics to talk about instead of all this kind of stuff. I, I wish we could have a podcast and go, wow, Wade, there's really nothing bad going on in politics today. Yeah. The church is on fire and politics are on the back burner. Everything's great. I agree. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode of the Patriot Pastors Podcast. We pray that you have a great day.